0: The picture's just so full of rock and roll. She looks like James Dean in Giant when he's got the rifle over his shoulder. But she's actually got a fur coat and a pack of a Marlboros. And she just looks so rock and roll um, that, for me, that's the picture that says Kate Moss. The Kate Moss we all knew.
1: I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. This week... I'm talking to society super snapper, Dave Bennett. You would have seen his glamorous images all over the newspapers and magazines over the years. And now he has an exhibition which kicked off London Fashion Week. Named Great Shot Kid, it presents images of the superstars he has taken. The photographer has created over a million entertainment images in the industry, and this is a chance to view them on a large scale. There are 20 prints upstairs, and downstairs hundreds of his images flash up. Never on the red carpet, Dave is always on the inside, moving around the inner circle, capturing magical moments. They include images we know well, such as Liz Hurley in her Versace safety pin dress, or Elton John and the late Gianni Versace sharing a joke. This is a photographer the famous seem to trust a relationship he has forged over 40 years at all the best events, whether it be London, Cape Town, Cannes or Hollywood. Let's hear from the man himself. It was really fun to see you last night. Uh, for our listeners, we were at the Fendi signing of the book by Kim Jones, and we were at the Royal Academy of Art in London's Piccadilly. I yeah. bet you got the shots you wanted, Dave, didn't you?
0: Oh, I did. It's always fun, especially with, with Kim and obviously Nikolai knowing everyone. So a great crowd turned up, obviously with um, young, young Kate Moss which helped a lot.
1: Well, both Mosses, mother and daughter.
0: Yeah, Lila, she's coming on very well, yeah. Creating a little career for herself now.
1: So before we go on to all the millions of famous people you've photographed, um, I want to um, say that you're here today because you've got this big exhibition coming up. And it's going to kick off immediately, isn't it, at London Fashion Week. And if I've got the name right, it's called Great Shot Kid. And it's at the um, J.D. Mallett Gallery. Tell me more about it.
0: Yeah, so... I've never done an exhibition, a solo exhibition of my own, and um, Jean david Malat asked me if, if, if I do one at his galleries, so I said, yes, it'd be a great idea after 40 years of photography, 30 years of showbiz. And it's all about the, pic- the probably the, the, the famous pictures over those years, as much as um, the other pictures. And the story that the great shot kid comes from photographing actually a news story for I think the Sun newspaper was for um, the skinheads and rockers were fighting again in South End. Some sort of 80s recreation of mods and rockers. The police had herded all these skinheads into a corner of South End's uh, pier. And one troublemaker was arrested by five policemen. And as I took the shot, I heard this person behind me go, great shot kid. And I turn, and there's Don McCullin, who was doing the same thing, but for the Sunday Times. And they'd asked him to do, I think, my my England, and um, obviously his went to become a massive spread in the Sunday Times. Mine was a, a couple of pictures in the Sun, but anyway,
1: it was the beginning, or perhaps it wasn't the beginning. Let's go back to the very beginning. Um, I've looked you up. You were born in Mauritius in 1958, and you had an Irish had an Irish mother and a Mauritian father. So tell me a little bit about those early years. I've never heard anything about them when you were growing up. And when did you have your camera? Were you a small boy or a grown-up?
0: So my father was a young doctor who met a beautiful Irish nurse in Camden in an actual standalone A&E department, I think because the Irish were probably building Camden at the time. He was uh, given that night shift and he met my mum and he took her to Mauritius. And I have five brothers. I'm the fifth brother, so... My first brother's born in England, the next two are born in Mauritius, the next one's born in England, and I'm finally born in Mauritius. And we live in this beautiful island where it's pretty idyllic. Yeah. You can play all day by the sea. You're, it's all a very sort of soft and lovely p- country. And then one day I woke up, and I, uh, my dad had come back to England and he was working in a place called Liverpool. And that's where, well, to be honest with you, I don't pick a camera up
1: really until London. Well, I'm nearly 18. Back in the 1970s, was it completely different from the way you work today? Or is it just that what you do today is a refinement of what you did so long ago?
0: I think in the photography, that that is the case. Uh, the actual camera work is a refinement, uh, knowing what to take, knowing when to take it. The life then was so different. We were young guys running around in sports cars, chasing bad guys at the Old Bailey, photographing Dennis Nilsson, um, through the, you know, through his uh, prison van window, creating pictures. Sadly, there was a lot of troubles in those days. So as a young photographer, you were involved with a lot of the IRA bombings. There were a lot of, you know, various things. You know, people, there was a lot more physicality about what we did. And don't forget, you had film, film cameras, so you didn't really know what you'd got unless you, until you went back and developed it. So the whole world was so different uh, to the guys now digital has taken over.
1: When you say that digital has taken over, I want to ask you something. You've got to give an honest answer. Are people like me, who is a total amateur when it comes to photography, but of course a writer by nature, do you feel annoyed when you see all of us running around? Because I'm not the only one with the camera in the hand, getting in your way, taking terrible pictures. What do you think about it all?
0: I'll be totally uh, honest. Sometimes we do get a bit annoyed when you're in the way. But otherwise, the actual, the actual taking of the pictures is fine because the great thing about phones that I find is that phones are individual to you. So a lot of the people who have phones, they don't affect our work at all because we're photographing as professionals. We're photographing for other people. We're photographing for a newspaper. We're photographing for our clients. A brand. The guys with those with their iPhones are just actually photographing for themselves. So that's totally fine. I'm very happy. In fact, we all, we actually try and help on that level. But uh, but you know, obviously, sometimes they do get in the way. I would be lying if I didn't say so.
1: I shall keep right out of your way in future, excepting that you always choose the best place to take the pictures. So that's why I follow you.
0: Yeah, I no, I noticed. <laughs> but I follow you too because you get into some great places. Let me tell you. And I always go, oh, look where Susie is. You you smell a picture. There you do.
1: Yes, well, I've been taking photographs since it was um, with um, throwaway cameras. And um, I got into all sorts of places because people laughed at my camera and let me in.
0: I bet they did.
1: (laughs) It's pretty impressive to think of that. And um, then think about your upcoming exhibition. What I want to know is, how have you chosen the ones? How have you whittled them down for your show How many images will you have on the wall? Because I'm going to come and see them.
0: Well, there's no way I could have picked all the pictures. So what I've done is I've sort of gone for all the familiar and, could I say, famous pictures. So there's about 20 very big prints that will be in the main gallery. And then what I've decided to create is an immersive projection down in another room where people can go in and enjoy seeing hundreds of pictures flash up and come off flash up and flash because I think there you'd get a much more a representative of of how much how many you know how much work I've done otherwise you could never I mean 20 pictures wouldn't wouldn't really you know do it justice
1: well I'm going to make a guess tell me if I'm wrong that famous shot of Liz Hurley in the Versace dress the one with the safety pins that was the time of the four weddings and a funeral and I think it was 1994 wasn't it and it's a, such an amazing picture because she's looking right down the barrel at you. How do you get that millisecond? What's the Dave Bennett magic that these models who could look at anyone look at you and your camera?
0: Well, the story, the, the, the great legend of, the, of that dress, which it has, by the way, it has its own story, that dress. It's actually, a, a, there's a Wikipedia, if you Wikipedia search Versace black dress, that photograph comes up in the Wikipedia um, story. So the legend is that Liz Hurley was a young actress, hardly done anything really, a couple of little movies. Her boyfriend was Hugh Grant. The movie itself was at the Odeon West End, the smaller Odeon. No one expected this movie to suddenly get the life it got. And Liz Hurley was trying to find a dress. And they called... um, the Versace PR, and the girls were saying, well, we don't really know her, but you know, let's see what we can do. And someone said, well, what about that dress? I think it was actually last season's dress, the one with the, with the pins. And of course, little did we realize that she was gonna wear it so well. And I think the amazing thing was that she, when she arrived, 30 or 40 photographers photographed her for nearly two hours at the premiere, then when she arrived at the party, and it was just at the party I really felt that the dress wasn't really working. There was something missing. There was movement that was needed. So actually what I did was I stepped away from the other guys to the steps of the in and out Club where the party was. And then as the two of them were walking in, I just very quietly said, Elizabeth, and she turned because she knew, she knew what was going on. But poor Hugh is walking in. He hasn't even, has no idea that this has happened. And she just turned around and just, just beamed at me. And if you that movement, that expression, just created that picture, which then took on a life of its own.
1: So what you're really saying to me here is that it's all in the timing. So it's your timing as well as the person who's being photographed. And I, I've seen you operating at work a lot of the time. I've seen you walking into a room and snapping the next hot shot. I didn't realise that you also might follow somebody through for a whole evening to get the right um, picture. And um, I still think of you much more in the VIP rooms I have never seen you on the red carpet sort of rushing around with all the other photographers what did you do to make it the sort of inner circle that you always managed to get to
0: when you start publishing and you have an affiliation with newspapers people start to notice your work and if I'm on the red carpet as you say I'm on the VIP side of the red carpet So we're what we call VIP photographers who have access on the carpet as opposed to behind a, a fence. So we'd be the guys who'd be having some sort of relationship with the talent. So that then pushes itself towards being invited in because people start to trust you, your relationships with obviously publicists and management. And before you know it, you're actually invited in a party because you're trusted.
1: So you are therefore, you say that you're the first person who gets called when there's a media or social event. I can't imagine what your diary is like. It must be a non-stop event. I see you at enough things. But how do you have somebody making sure that you get to the London Fashion Week event or Cannes or Hollywood? Do you have a whole team of people who tell you where to go when?
0: Well, the young day Bennett didn't and it was quite a struggle. But as my career developed and we got busier and busier. Um, I created Dave Bennett Photos and my daughter, Camille, is actually my manager now. She bosses me around. So she's the one with the diary. She's the one who tells me where I've got to be. But also, she's the one who facilitates. She's got the tickets. She's got the train tickets, the, the airline tickets. She, she knows where you're going to be. And that help and support has really pushed on. Well, my, my career and how 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 well I can work.
1: Well, that's the sort of businessy side, which of course I, I understand deeply. Exactly how important that is for you, but there's something else. Something else I've noticed that the famous seem to trust you, and that's pretty wa- rare in our business. Um, And that's why you get these powerful and exceptional shots. How did you build this special relationship? I mean, even Kate Moss is quoted as saying, I'm always happy to see Dave's face at a party event. I know I'm in safe hands. He's the best. I mean, how did you get to a position where Kate Moss says, and many others, no doubt, says that about you?
0: Well, did you notice last night how comfortable she was with, with me? You know, there was a dialogue anyway with Kate then. Um, but where that's come from is the fact that I think it's your own set of rules, I suppose, that helps. I think I've always been more of a musketeer than a, than a, than a robber. I'm not stealing anything. I'm more likely to, to make sure you get home okay than, than try and get a picture of you. And I think that that whole relationship of, of giving and taking and, you know, listening too, if someone's not happy and they don't want to be photographed you understand and you, you know and it's a long it's a long game here you can step back and i think trying to find trying to just to get a picture for a picture's sake is is something i i don't do
1: well even i last night i failed to get the picture of um mother and daughter walking out together i expect you got it three times over
0: well we did yeah well, luckily um she posed with with lila so that was quite nice
1: had this powerful career not not that i even see that there's an end in sight i don't know going to ask you how long you're going to go on but i want to know if you had a chance to do it would you do it all the same exactly the same or would you alter something in a way
0: to be completely honest i my my initial my initial ambition was to be to be a great news photographer that's why i say my my heroes were tim page don mccullin these guys were news photographers war photographers but having decided to go the showbiz route, I have to say that really has given me a massive amount of satisfaction because you, when you do, you start to become a self-starter. You start to bring work to a newspaper because you've been given it by the artists or the management and it changes your relationship. You become, you're, you are in control of your life. So if you can hold on and just work as a freelancer as long as you can without having to work for someone you'll find that in the end, it will make your career much more satisfying.
1: Well, I don't know how the timing went here, but you're slightly giving the impression that you you just do celebs. And it's not true at all, is it? Because I mean, you did um, pictures for, from, of Nelson Mandela. I'm sure I'm not wrong there. And I believe you've even taken The Queen, haven't you? And that sort of goes alongside Rihanna and David Bowie and Kim Kardashian, but there are those other people, aren't I right?
0: You are, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My greatest moment was to, to be with Mel- Nelson Mandela, alone in his house in Cape Town, for for the few minutes before the Bonos and the Dave Stewart's and the Annie Lennoxes all arrived for a for a photograph opportunity with him, and I had a lovely time where we just converse for a very short time and I have that cheekily I remember asking him where his favorite room was in in the house and he said it was when he had breakfast in the morning he used to sit on in the veranda and look out onto onto table mountain and for me having that sort of moment with someone of his stature was incredible
1: do you think you're the last of generation snap do you think the world of pictures has changed so much and the decisions about who is acceptable to be photographed and who wants to be photographed. Do you think we're at the end of something here, or will there be other people who follow you who find a similar way to take photographs?
0: I think um, there'll always be photographers. I am one of the last of the generation of um, inside guys. Who, I suppose, it'll be a while before other guys get into that position. I think the paparazzi side will exist because there's always interests from internet magazines or newspapers. I don't think that'll ever change. And I think in the end, there'll be new guys who will come along, and in whatever shape or form that will be, that they'll, they'll, they'll become the guys of the, the new generation.
1: Well, I'm sure you're right, but my question really to myself is whether they will continue to do photographs in a similar way because you've always photographed people showing the best of them, which is good, but there are many things now that trouble people, especially women, don't they? You have women actually complaining that somebody's trying to take a photograph up their skirt. I mean, that's a silly remark, but things like that, that people are too pushy about photographs now. And, of course, everyone has a photograph now. You have a photograph and a training for it, but anyone who's got... A phone now has got a camera, so it is a different situation, isn't it, from you say thirty years ago?
0: Women have always been strong, but particularly now, I think there's a, there's there's a consensus of of what you can and can't do. I think photographers who are part of the system will will always be wary of that, and they'll yeah, they will make sure that they're not doing you know, those pictures that aren't aren't liked anymore. Whether you can control the paparazzi who's out in the street, that's another story. Because by the nature of that, they are on the street. So, so no one likes them. They're not invited in, obviously. So the guys who are invited in will always be much more careful about what they're doing. But I also think women, women love to, to show off. So sometimes they do wear amazing things and they might wear risky clothes. Why shouldn't they? I think they're allowed to do that. That's their, you know, it's their body. They can do what they want.
1: Dave, I'd like to ask you something because you've been around so long. If there are any students starting now, how would you like them to get into your world? What, What would you say to them? Everything has changed so much. I mean, we've got smartphones and everything else. And... Is it a different world or are there definite lines that you would say to any student, do this, this and this?
0: The only advice that I can really give to young students or young photographers is don't worry if something doesn't work out straight away. Don't think you you messed up. A break's not a break until you're ready to take it. And I always say that to young guys. I had many breaks that didn't work for me and then finally the right one arrived. And in your life you have a few of those where... Because you keep trying, you'll get there. With the photographers of today, obviously, the internet helps a hell of a lot because you can, you can show people your work, whereas before you couldn't unless you were given that opportunity, whereas now you can. You can show people your work on Instagram. Keep plugging. That's the only, that's the only answer.
1: I want to ask you something now. It's a very simple question, but it may be hard for you to find an answer. Of all these photographs we're going to see in your exhibition, and I'm going to be the first in the queue to look, what is the person who you are most pleased to have photographed or you enjoy most? I mean, is it Rihanna? Is it someone we've barely heard of? Who is the person that you think, that was my moment?
0: Difficult. Difficult. Um, I would say probably Kate. Kate Moss has been part of my life. I I think I started photographing her when she was about 17, 18. Literally as I as I've grown in stature in my photography, she's grown as a supermodel stage and now she's um she's now owns her own modelling agency. Um so I suppose if I had to if I had to, which I don't really want to, it would be Kate. But very quickly followed by Elizabeth Hurley and a few of the other girls who were all really, really favourites of mine.
1: So can I ask you one question? I don't know if you're going to answer it. What is the picture of Kate Moss that you have in your exhibition?
0: The picture I've got of Kate Moss was a picture I took, again, as you were talking about, when you spend the whole evening looking for a picture that really works. And she'd been at the the National Portrait Gallery for an exhibition uh, and she was um, leaving. And as she left, I just felt there was something I was looking for. And when I, I called her, she turned and looked at me And the picture's just so full of rock and roll. She looks like James Dean in Giant when he's got the rifle over his shoulder. But she's actually got a fur coat and a pack of the Marlboros. And she just looks so rock and roll. um, that For me, that's the picture that says Kate Moss. The Kate Moss we all knew.
1: Tell me, what's a photograph that you really remember, particularly perhaps when you've got one or two or three people together? Is there a moment that you think of in your head as that was a fantastic picture?
0: One of my favourite pictures of something like that was Princess Diana when, she was, um, when she'd gone to see Stepping Out, which was a, a dance movie with Liza Minnelli. And I have to say, Diana always was at her happiest when she was with dancers, or anything to do with dance. What made this situation different was that I photographed her and Liza at the after party, literally like two young girls giggling and gossiping about something. And what it was that Diana had decided to go to the after party, which is rare. Normally, after a, a premiere of a movie, the, the royal would go home or go somewhere else and the party would be left to the, the cast and, and friends. So this was quite a rare opportunity to photograph Diana at a party. And um, I was given eight seconds, pretty much. Look, you've got eight seconds, get some picture there. And luckily, as I, I stepped towards the table, Liza must have said something quite amusing and Diana just broke up in laughter and created this amazing picture of two beautiful women just chatting.
1: Well, that's your skill to catch people in the moment. That's what you do. And um, that's what we're going to see at the exhibition. And um, thank you for telling me all the secrets. I'm going to be a much better photographer now on. I hope
0: I, I hope to help you more and more. <laughs> I hope that's a promise. Please make sure everyone comes to my exhibition, JD Malat Gallery. Please come.
1: Lots of luck. Been thank great you. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, David Bennett, for giving us an idea of what it is like to be a society photographer. Since recording this podcast, I indeed visited the gallery on the opening night to see the images displayed, and they really do have such an impact. This is on until the 18th of March 2022 at the J.D. Mallett Gallery on Davis Street in London's Mayfair. Next time my podcast is all about Homo Faber, and you've not heard about it, but you should. Organized by the Michelangelo Foundation. It is a biannual premier event where master artisans and craftspeople from all over the world congregate to exhibit their skills, showing a more human, inclusive, and sustainable future. I went last time for its inaugural opening and enjoyed it so much. It's taking place in Venice this April. So before you book your tickets, we're going to hear all about it from Hanelli Rupert board member of the Michelangelo Foundation and organiser of Homo Faber, and from Roberto Cavalli, the executive co-director Michelangelo Foundation and Homo Faber. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Kahn, music by Yer Zuba, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit suzymenkis.com and suzymenkis on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels.